Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. Sometimes there are obstacles to our faith. The story of the Canaanite woman presents four such obstacles, one of which is the church itself. You're listening to Perplexing Texts, The Canaanite Woman by Reverend Peter Yonker. I want to remind you, and this is mostly or completely directed at the members, this is the second Sunday of Stewardship Sunday. Some of you have already sent in your pledges for the coming year. Uh, the rest of you are invited to consider making those pledges. And I wanted to thank all of you who have financially supported the church over these last seven months. We are blessed with financial stability, and we're deeply, deeply, deeply grateful that you have helped keep this place going. And we say again, um, the coming year uh, and the last seven months have taught us that things that we thought were stable could be unstable, and it's good that this institution is here to put our feet on the solid ground of Jesus Christ our Lord, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I also want to remind you that, that when you pledge, it's not just for this event, the worship services. That's obviously what most of us see, right? That's the first thing we think of when we think of the grave, is the organ and the preaching and all this stuff. But it's much, much more than that, right? When you pledge, there are churches all over the world that are able to worship because you support this church, because our money goes out to missions in all sorts of different places. And when you pledge, we support ministries right around us here, including Kids Hope, we mentor kids over at Congress School, and including all kinds of other of the local agencies that are right around us. And when you give, you help disciple our children through gems and scouts and crew and middle school and the music ministries, and there's all sorts of things. So thank you for your past support. Please um, prayerfully consider us in the future. Okay, enough of that. Let's read today's scripture. A reminder that this is the perplexing text series. So this series is studying texts that are difficult, texts that are hard, texts that we wonder what God means when he says these things. And today's text is Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. And if you're wondering what's perplexing about this text, just listen to what Jesus says and what he does in this story. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, Gentile area. A Canaanite woman, Gentile, from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and she suffers terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out to us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. 
This is the word of the Lord. So I think you can see why this text perplexes people. Jesus does and says some things in this text that just do not fit with how we think of Jesus. We think of Jesus as always welcoming and always compassionate. And in this text, he seems to ignore this woman's need and he compares her to a dog. And that is perplexing. Well, we will look at Jesus' strange words and we will examine why he might have said those things, but I don't want to start there. And I don't want to start there because Jesus' perplexing words are not the point of this text. When we hear this story, I think we naturally start thinking about, oh my goodness, what is Jesus saying? But that's not what Matthew wants us to see. Matthew's not focused on what Jesus' perplexing words. Matthew is focused on the faith of this woman. Matthew's holding up for us the strong faith of this woman. And that is also what Jesus is holding up for us. Right? Woman, you have great faith. Jesus is holding her up to us as an example of what strong faith looks like. And she's an unusual example because she's a Gentile, and not only is she a Gentile, she's a Canaanite, which is a particularly hated kind of Gentile. And yet, her faith is undoubtedly really impressive. This, this woman has feisty faith. Okay? This woman has faith that was willing to run through a wall to get to Jesus. It's the persistence of her faith that's remarkable. In this passage, I see this woman going through four obstacles, four obstacles to her faith that she persists to, to get to Jesus. And I want to look at those four obstacles one by one because they're exactly the same things that become obstacles to our faith. Faith is not easy for us all the time. Sometimes faith feels hard. Sometimes our faith faces obstacles. And many of these obstacles are the same one that these women, this woman faces and that she persists through. So let's look at these obstacles. Obstacle number one is this woman's circumstances. Her precious daughter is possessed by a demon. Her child, her baby, one of the most intimate, precious things in her life has been overcome by this evil force. And I am sure that she feels just like you would feel if your child or one of your precious loved ones would have a dark, evil force overcome them. One of your children has a fundamental learning disability that keeps them from succeeding in all areas of their life. When your son falls into addiction, when your beautiful, energetic teenage daughter suddenly falls under the cloud of depression and can't seem to find her way out, loses that glow that she had and just is under this cloud. When those things happen to you, you do not feel like God is smiling on you. You do not feel as though his face is turned towards you in blessing. You sometimes feel as though he is turned away. And sometimes when people feel that way, they walk. They leave faith. But not this woman. She persists through this terrible circumstance and keeps going towards Jesus, keeps going towards her Lord. So she pursues Jesus, and when she finds him, she meets the second obstacle to her faith. And the second obstacle to her faith is the silence of God. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is possessed by a demon. She cries out 
And Jesus did not answer a word. Jesus is silent. That is really perplexing. But let us also admit that it fits what we sometimes experience in our own faith life and in our walk with God. Sometimes we fall on our knees and cry out from the bottom of our hearts to God with a thing that, that, that is just tearing us apart and it feels like, feels like, we are met with silence. Someone in the congregation, a young mother, is diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer. She enters into chemo, but the doctors don't hold out much hope. And what do we do, right? We immediately start praying. We start beating on the doors of heaven. Lord, please heal this woman. Please, Lord. Her family needs her. Family needs her. And Lord, if you were to do this, if you were to do this miracle, if you were to heal her, think how great that, what a witness that would be for the young people of our church. Lord, you can do this. And think what a great witness it would be for all the non-believers who that family knows. They would all see it and they would glorify you. Lord, you could do this. Please, please, please heal her. But then for whatever reason, her illness goes exactly as the doctors predict. And she fades. And she dies. And we end up feeling like Job. I cry out to you, O God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you do not look at me. This is the experience of many people's faith along the road. And sometimes when they hear the silence, when they get the silence, they walk away. That's what Karen Armstrong did. Maybe you know that name. She's a famous scholar of religion, but she doesn't believe in God. Scholar of religion, but doesn't believe in God. Karen Armstrong used to believe she was a nun. She practiced her faith, did the things that nuns do, prayed. But she felt like she was meeting silence and This is how she describes it. I wrestled with myself in prayer, trying to force myself to encounter God, but he remained tantalizingly absent. Eventually, I felt my belief in God slip quietly away. He had never really impinged upon my life. There are seasons in our life where sometimes God is hard to hear. What do you do in those seasons? What do you do in those seasons of silence. Karen Armstrong walked away. This woman kept moving towards Jesus. She kept crying out. She kept going through the darkness, through the silence towards her Lord. She did not give up. Which brings us to the third barrier to her faith that she sees. And that barrier, unfortunately, is the congregation of God's people, the church represented in this story by the disciples. Lord, we are so sick and tired of this woman. She keeps crying out. She is driving us crazy. Please send her away. Just get rid of her. The disciples want to get rid of this woman and block her, partly because she's annoying and crying out all the time, but partly because of their prejudice. This woman is a Gentile, And not only is she a Gentile, she's a Canaanite. And the Jews, of course, are suspicious of all Gentiles, but they have a particular dislike for Canaanites, which is based on the way they read Scripture. Deuteronomy 7, when the Lord instructs how the people should behave in the land, he says to the people, get rid of every last Canaanite. Don't let a single Canaanite hang around and don't mix with them. Read the last verse in the book of Zechariah. Go look it up. 
It has a vision of Jerusalem in a golden age, and this is what it says. Zechariah says, every pot in Jerusalem will be holy to the Lord God Almighty, and on that day, there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord God Almighty. We know Canaanites around. Now, those verses aren't necessarily prejudicial. If you read them in the light of Christ, you can understand them in a different way. But it's clear that the disciples didn't understand them that way. The disciples used them as a sort of an ethnic prejudice. And so when they feel irritated by this woman, and then on top of it realize that she's a Gentile and a Canaanite Gentile, they say, get lost. Sometimes the behavior of us church people is the biggest obstacle to people's faith. Our children grow up in the church and they see the way we talk about each other and they see us fight, they see our hypocrisy and they say, I don't want to be part of it. Sometimes it's our behavior that's, that's, that's most an obstacle to the people out there. They, they see the way we fight, they see our hypocrisy, they see the way we cling to privilege and the way we cling to power. They say, not interested. So in addition to the silence of Jesus, the terrible circumstances of her life, this woman faces the hostility of the people who are supposed to embrace her. And most people would have cursed the church and walked away, but this woman doesn't seem to be focused on the imperfect people who make up the church. She seems to be focused on Jesus. She's not looking at the people, she's looking at Jesus, so she keeps moving towards him. Which brings us to the final obstacle, those difficult words that Jesus speaks. I was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So strange, so perplexing. I can offer some qualifications for that maybe take some of the edge off those words. Jesus compares this woman to a dog, but you have to understand that that was pretty common in those days. That's how Jews talked about Gentiles. Dog was the way they talked about them. I come from Canada. We sometimes call people from Newfoundland Newfies. It's not very nice. I repent of that, but that's what we called them. It's just, just what we said. That's kind of how it was with Jews talking about Gentiles. They said dogs. It doesn't make Jesus' words suddenly easy, but it's context, context. And when Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, that is true when you think of the priorities of his mission, the strategic priorities. Jesus wants to bring the Gentiles in. He wants to convert the Gentiles. He wants Gentiles to be part of his family. But he was sent first to the Jews, and then the message was supposed to go out from there. Jesus wants to set the whole world on fire for the gospel, but he's going to do that by blowing on the ember of Israel and making the whole thing burst into flame. So that gives you sort of a, a, a context for those two words, but it doesn't really, I don't think, take all the edge off. Commentators have all sorts of explanations for what Jesus is doing when he says these things. Some of them say that he's testing the woman. It's, it's kind of like... Um, a faith obstacle course he's putting up, and he's putting up these obstacles so she can prove herself. Well, maybe. There's nothing in the text itself that suggests that this is a test. And if it is a test, it, it does raise new problems, at least in my mind. Some people say 
that Jesus is actually learning in this passage, that God the Father is teaching him the breadth of the kind of people that he wants to bring into the kingdom. Now, maybe that sounds strange to think of Jesus learning, but that's not without biblical precedent. At the end of Luke 2, when Luke describes Jesus, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Jesus was learning as a young man. He didn't come out of the womb with omniscience. He learned like a human being. Hebrews 5, verse 8, Jesus learned obedience through his suffering. So some people say, oh, well, Jesus is learning here more about his father's purpose for him. Maybe. Ultimately, we just don't know what Jesus meant exactly. It's one of those things that when we finally see him face to face, we might want to take up, Jesus, what exactly did you mean there? Because we just don't know what he meant. What we know for sure is that those words would have felt like an obstacle for that woman. They would have felt like a block to her faith. But ultimately, even though she doesn't understand, she persists. This can happen to us too. Sometimes for us, the words of God can feel like a barrier. The words that we read here in God's word can feel like a barrier to us. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this book. This is our only rule for faith and life. But sometimes the things we read in here can feel like a barrier. Psalm 137, verse 9, for example. And what it says that we should do to the Babylonian babies. That feels like a barrier. 1 Samuel 15 and what God tells Saul to do to every last one of the Amalekites. To a lot of people, that feels like a barrier. I read those passages, and I say, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing in these passages. I trust you. I love you. You are my God. Nothing will ever change that. But I admit, I do not understand this word. And sometimes these words feel like a barrier because of the circumstances in our life. A father loses a daughter to a drunk driver in a car crash. And before the crash, Psalm 91 was one of his favorite psalms. He absolutely loved it. But then a few weeks after his daughter dies, the minister reads Psalm 91, verses 9 and 10. If you say, the Lord is my refuge and make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. And now those words don't bring comfort. Now they feel like a barrier. There are lots of times where we don't understand. We hear the word, we hear what God is saying, but it makes no sense to us and it feels like a barrier. This woman has that experience. She doesn't understand, but she persists through her misunderstanding, through her uncertainty, through her I don't knows towards her Lord. She throws herself at his feet Jesus says, it's not right to give the bread and toss it to the dogs. And this woman says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs should be able to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus says, woman, you have great faith. All of us here are working on our faith. Faith is not always easy, and all of us are working really hard on it. And some of us are doing well, right? Some of us We don't have these obstacles in our life. You feel close to God. You feel like God is smiling upon you. You feel blessed. I am so glad that you're here. The church needs to have people like that. But others of you are having a really hard time. 
Faith used to be easy for you. You used to hold faith in your hand like a small gift. You held it easily and it was beautiful. It made you smile every time you looked at it. But now faith feels for you like a thin rope hanging over a chasm of questions and you're holding on for everything you have and it's burning your hands and you feel like you're slipping. I want to say to you, keep hanging on. Don't give up. Hang on with everything you have. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He has not abandoned you. And even if you slip and fall down into those questions, he will be there to lift you up. I want to show you one last thing in this passage. So far in the sermon, I've totally focused on what this woman did and what we should do to hold on to our faith. And I think that's appropriate. I think that's what the text is trying to teach. But I want to leave not with something that we need to do or that this woman did, but something that God has done for us, something that we can base our faith on. Jesus says to the woman, it's not right to take the bread and give it to the dogs. The woman makes this beautiful reply, yes, Lord, but even the dogs can have the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Lord, just give me a crumb. That's all I need, and I'll be okay. That's what happens in our story. It's hard to hear, but then look what happens in the very next passage. Open your Bible later today and look at the very next story. Jesus goes to the Sea of Galilee, and he stays in the region of the Gentiles. Okay? Galilee of the Gentiles. He's, he goes and he, he starts talking among the Gentiles. And not just one Canaanite woman comes to him. Hundreds and hundreds of Gentiles flock towards him on the Sea of Galilee, each of them bringing the sick and the blind and the lame. And he doesn't push them away. He embraces all of them. He heals all their diseases. And by the time he's done, there are more than 4,000 people there. 4,000 men plus women and children are all gathered around. And they get hungry. And they don't have enough to eat. So Jesus invites them to the master's table. Takes five loaves, two small fish, gives thanks for them and breaks them. Gives them to the disciples and they distribute it to all the people. And they all have more than enough so much that there are seven baskets of crumbs left over that have fallen from the master's table. These people are not treated like dogs. They are welcomed to the table like children. They are not just given crumbs. They are given a feast. And it shows us that God will stop at nothing to bring his children to his table. Yes, this woman persists through obstacles, but Jesus will persist through every single obstacle that hell and death can raise against him. He will go all the way to death in order to gather his children to him. There is no obstacle, no earthly thing that can be put in his way to tear us from his hands. He will come for all of us dirty dogs. He will give us a feast and he will call us his children. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your persistence with us. We, you call us to be persistent and persevere in our faith. And Lord, you know we sometimes struggle with that. Keep us faithful. Keep us persistent. Keep us focused on you through all the obstacles of life. But Lord, help us to see that you are persistent with us and that you will never let us go. In Christ's name, amen.
Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.